Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond, hunting for the mystery dial uh, so that he can turn his volume up, is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. <laughs> Matt, how you doing today? Give him hell, Jonathan Burke. Oh god, that and... morphed into something else at the end. Um, oh, okay. Well, listen, the, the Salah isn't um, an Arab, so we can work with that i'm doing well my friend i am searching for that mystery dial to um secure my destiny and actually have a microphone which sounds uh loud and i can hear you but uh i'm doing good my friend i am doing very very well it's again hot it's like a sauna in this room but uh, again i think that i attribute that down to your tones in my ear at times as well uh maybe to do with the film we're talking about tonight as well but yeah can't complain not doing too bad my friend it's been a uh, we've had a quick turnaround and we've had a busy few days in terms of films but uh, there's nothing i enjoy more than talking to film with you my friend but i do have yeah, to know yeah. are you well and keeping florida safe and well I, I am doing pretty well you know functioning um it's been hot and then stormy um out of nowhere we had uh, i had to take a f- someone to the airport um and we decided to go to a uh, local mall uh like near the airport that's a it's a big mall um and uh, we were there one. Uh, I don't know if this happened in the UK, but when the pandemic shut down our country, um, all the stores have like opted to reset their operating hours. Like for most of my life, Walmart has been a 24 hour store. Mm-hmm. And now all of the Walmarts near me close at like 11 o'clock or 12 um, and reopen at like six in the morning, uh, which is not, I'm not necessarily complaining. It's just weird because most of my life you could go to Walmart at two in the morning if you needed like something all of a sudden. And now that's not an option. And most malls were always, you know, like 10 in the morning to nine, except for like Christmas time. Sometimes they would extend hours. And now like my local mall closes at seven, like except for the movie theater. The movie theater will do one extra show at like nine or whatever. But um, and so we're at this big mall in a major city in Orlando and we find out while we're at the mall that they close at eight. Um, so we're like, Oh, I guess we need to get heading out. And of course it's now storming and the mall is closing. So, uh, it was, it was a concerning moment. Um, but we, you know, I, I had to walk through a gigantic puddle to get the car and then drove up and picked up my wife and daughter. Um, but otherwise it was a a fun day at the mall or a fun couple hours at the mall. Uh, how about you? Uh, you know, I, I do enjoy a, t- a fun day at the mall. I had one uh, the other day. It was impromptu when I went to pick my little one up. Uh, tr- you know, going on the, the motorway, or I guess you guys would be the highway, I guess, um, or interstate or freeway. I don't know the difference. Um, but the uh, it was the traffic is awful, and it's going to take me two hours to get home over, which is like an hour delay. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in that. So I also had a, a, a day out in the mall, and um, it's very nice. I didn't... There's something quite nice about this window shopping as well. I love going when you when you've got a fat wallet full of cash, which let's face it doesn't often happen. But I quite like just wandering around and uh, window shopping, my, my man. But um, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the 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 times in terms of like the, the the pandemic, obviously it's affected at most things. But a lot of businesses or even retail businesses have kind of a, adapted and continued as they were during the pandemic. So. Or even yeah. before, like nothing's changed in terms of that kind of retail hours. Offices and businesses, like especially the one I work, have have kind of embraced this whole agile working or flexible working, work from home, work from the office because 
you know, if anything good came from the pandemic, which, you know, didn't, let's be honest, but if anything did, it was the fact that businesses could see that. Well, maybe, maybe your workforce doesn't need to be in the office the whole time. Maybe you can do this work from home and maybe we can kind of give a bit more back to our employees. I know that doesn't extend to all industries, but uh, the pandemic, that's pretty much the only kind of real positive lasting impact uh, in terms of livelihoods over here. But um, yeah, no, I'm glad to hear you've had a good time, my friend. And uh, if anyone's keeping Florida safe and well, it's going to be you. And I know that sometimes you need it, but uh, keep the faith. Well, we're here to look at a better adventure, a better explorer than myself. And that is the newest, the fifth and supposed to be final entry in the Indiana Jones uh, franchise, Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny uh the first of the five movies not directed by steven spielberg instead directed by james mangold uh written by probably way more people than i'm about to list but jez butterworth john henry butterworth and david kep um we got a huge cast here uh no spoilers to our knowledge so this is from imdb we avoided a couple that we thought were spoilers but imdb's got listed way high harrison ford phoebe waller bridge mads mickelson ethan is a Ethan Isidore, sorry, I hesitated. Uh, Toby Jones, Boyd Holbrook, uh, Seanette Renee Wilson, Antonio Banderas, and John Reese davies uh, Synopsis, it's Indiana Jones. Do we need a synopsis? I guess we need one. <laughs> Archaeologist Indiana Jones races against time to retrieve a legendary artifact that can change the course of history. <laughs> uh, like we don't have... Yeah, we are... We are early recording uh this is officially just come out the day we're recording this uh matt and i saw it early matt's seen it more than i have seen it um but uh so we don't have a rotten tomato audience score yet it it hasn't been seen or rated by audience members yet so um we have a 66 rt critic score a 58 meta score a 7.0 imdb user score which again keep that with a grain of salt imdb user scores are always a little sketchy anyways and then Mm -hmm. a 3.2 on letterboxd it's officially in theaters on June 30th. Now you're listening to this. Uh, it's been out for a few days, but we're recording this on June 29th. So technically movie's not officially out yet. Of course, yes. if you're listening to this podcast, you know, there's a Thursday screening and my, my theaters got screening starting at three o'clock and going like every hour for the rest of the night. Um, had Wednesday screenings over here. Oh, wow. Um, well, so real fast, before we talk about this movie, let's talk about Indiana Jones as a franchise. Okay. I, love Raiders of the Lost Ark, like masterpiece of a movie. It's, it's a film I've taught to my students. Um, it's one that as a kid, I, I really liked, um, the Indiana Jones. Like I had a, my mom's friend, um, every time we would go over to her house would throw on Indiana Jones movies for me. And I just, I love them. Um, I wanted the fedora. I didn't, I never got a fedora. I wanted one. Um, I did have a fake bullwhip. I think even, uh, at Universal Studios, they sold them. And I, my mom got me one of those when I was a kid was a huge Indiana Jones fan. Um, I saw uh, Last Crusade in the theater uh, when it came out. I was very young, but I was so into it because of my mom's friend. I think my mom's friend actually took us to that movie. And then um, Temple of Doom as a kid, I liked. Now, yeah. as an adult, Temple of Doom doesn't hold up quite as well for me, um, especially compared to Raiders. I think Last Crusade is excellent. And let's... Let's talk about the one everyone bashes on, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Okay. You know, that movie gets so much hate, and uh, I I was a part of that chorus for a while. I rewatched it, uh, getting ready for this movie, because I wanted a little bit of a refresher. I I rewatched Last Crusade as well. 
Um, I know Temple and Raiders well, so I didn't feel I needed to rewatch those. But, um, you know, Crystal Skull's not that bad. It's not great. I, I, no way I'm going to sit here and say it's a masterpiece like I just did for Raiders, but I think we need to lighten up a little bit. Um, it, it, it's entertaining. Uh, it mm-hmm. has some problems, for sure. But overall, like especially people who got hung up on the big reveal at the end, all of it's fictional. Like all of it's, you know, make believe stuff happens. Like that's the beauty of the, the franchise, right? Like he doesn't even believe it. It's a literal sentence in this new movie uh, yeah. where he's like, you know, I've seen things I don't believe, it, which is similar to something he says in star Wars as well. <laughs> but yeah, there's a few um, lines in this film, which are directly taken from the force awakens. Yeah. So, um, I guess that's even easier to picture Daisy Ridley in the role, but, uh, yes, sir. So I, I'm I'm overall a fan of Indiana Jones. I've I've come back around on uh, Crystal Skull. Um, I, Matt, you're obviously a huge uh, Star Wars fan, meaning inherently you have to be a Harrison Ford fan because Han mm-hmm. Solo. Of course. What's your uh, history with the the indie franchise? Uh, do you know what? It's not a million miles different than yours. Um, to to call it what it is, I think Raiders is sensational. So much fun, great swashbuckling action with, and it pushes the boundaries enough as well for it to appeal to the older audiences as well. Um, Temple of Doom is. Uh, I, I I'm with you. I think Temple of Doom is a good film. I don't think there's a bad film in this series, and I'll get to that. I think Temple of Doom is good. But the Last Crusade, I still think is, I think the Last Crusade is written off as well by a lot of people. Mm. I think a lot of people see that as kind of like a, almost like a throwaway story. Or after the after the you know the greatness of Raiders and the bombast of Temple, you've got the Last Crusade. But man, there's so much good stuff in the Last Crusade, which I think people overlook because mm. uh, maybe they didn't feel like the, the trilogy was necessary or, or whatever. But the Last Crusade, I think, is fantastic, especially on rewatch and. Uh, let's get to the elephant in the room, the crystal skull shaped elephant. Like you, when I first saw it, I remember being, I didn't hate it, but I remember thinking it's just not great. Maybe it's because we were, it was, we're entering a new era, um, of filmmaking and of films as well. Maybe it was just indie just didn't maybe fit in that climate. Maybe, I don't know, but, Mm. um, it had some, it's got some very, very good moments and some like quintessentially indie moments in it. And I think people overlook that. They, they they think of Shia LaBeouf swinging through trees or the nuclear fridge scene and think, oh, no, you know, this is rubbish. But Or, or the ants and the terrible CGI or Ray Winston just being in it. Um, and I love Ray Winston, but goddamn. There are moments in it which I think are great. And, and yeah, the ending I don't think is anything to... It, George Lucas is involved. Of course, it's going to be weird and wacky. Um so I think for, yeah, for like this film also kind of mentions, you know, for a guy who drunk the blood of Carly has been tortured by voodoo uh, and yeah. all this other stuff. I don't, you know, extraterrestrial alien heads, whatever I'm, I'm here for it. It's like you said, it's, it's fictional. It's not a documentary fact. So um, I, I, I do enjoy it. And a lot of it is down to Indiana Jones. I don't think anything can do what Harrison Ford does. He is kind of like the everyman who, who gets it handed to him. We all love to see him get, get a bit, get in a sticky situation uh for the quips for the faces he pulls for the uh the kind of like huff and sigh he does i've got to get out of this somehow something harrison brings to it is i don't think it ever be replicated uh which is kind of what he said that he said like when i die the characters come with me and 
I respect it. We all know that's not going to happen, but I respect that. Um, so I, I really, really dig the Indiana Jones films, like my beloved Star Wars and any franchise out there. Ups and downs along the way. Some of it's dated, some of it doesn't quite hold up, but at its best, it's pulpy, swashbuckling, family-friendly, mostly adventure fun, and uh, which meant I was pretty hyped for The Dial of Destiny w- when it came out. Yeah, and I, I've liked Mangold's um, last two movies, I think, uh, and a couple Fourth of his other Ferrari ones. I've seen his... Yeah. Yeah, yes, um, I, I have not seen all of his filmography, but I've seen enough that I, I respect him as a filmmaker. So I was excited with him stepping in. I was a little worried that Spielberg stepped back, but maybe that was the right call. I, I mean, I guess that'll remain to be seen now. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the buzz, we said 66 for uh, critics and 58 Metascore, which is a more indicative, like people are saying middling. And I don't think that's wrong but I am on the positive side of the, the middling reviews. I think this movie is flawed for sure. You know, I like at this point, I'm two weeks out from seeing it. I can't remember the things that I was like, mm, that's not great, but I do remember the fun stuff that I did like. And mm-hmm. um, I really enjoy Harrison Ford in this role still. Um, you know, this is a direct continuation of all, all of them are, but I think uh, there's a lot of stuff from, um crystal skull that is kind of necessary to be aware of like especially why he's in the state that he's in at the beginning of the film um because every other indiana jones movie indiana jones is like top of his game like he's you know like academic professional and he's kind of the cool guy and every you know he's like you oh well thank you but uh in this one he's beaten down um, and is not doing great. And he's at the, you know, he's getting ready to retire, but he's not, he's not at the prestigious looking university that we saw in, in Raiders. You know, he, this looks like he's in like a, a trade school, like, um, and people don't seem to care about archeology. span It's set, uh, 1969, right? Yep. Um, yep. Moon landing. Yep. And, uh, you know, the movie opens though, with a de-aged Harrison Ford, uh, in a pretty cool sequence, um, with some good action at that opening uh, part, we, we get to see Toby Jones not being a Nazi, which I thought was a cool <laughs> uh, casting choice because um, poor Toby Jones often gets thrown into that role. Um, not always, obviously, but you know, when I saw his face in this movie, I was like, oh, no, they did it again. And then he was like, mm-hmm. no, nah. I'm like, oh, cool. Good for him. Um, you know, I, I like Mads Mikkelsen. I have not seen much of Phoebe Waller-Bridge, but I really loved her in this movie. She was a uh, standout to me. Um, I thought she was able to stand toe to toe with Ford, which is saying something. And uh, I thought the, the interaction the two have really clicked. Um, I also liked her working with Ethan Isidore, uh, who's Teddy, who's like uh, her real, it's her short round. Like if we're, you know, there's a lot to the structure of this that feels a lot more like temple. Um, at least the character dynamics feels a lot more like temple than, than the other Indiana Jones movies. But, um, you know, there's some really cool set pieces. Some of it does drag. There's a few things that feel unnecessary and there's a major logic gap, uh, in towards the end of the film that we won't talk about here, but we might talk about in spoilers. I, we definitely will talk about in spoilers, but, uh, overall I was happy with this movie. I, I was, I went in, hopeful but very apprehensive thinking there's like uh, it's probably not going to work um but i had a good time like again i don't think this is the best action movie i've seen another one that is way better um for the <laughs> summer which i i won't say any details but 
I, I did think this was a good time at the movies. I was not disappointed, um, which that's all I really was looking for. I just wanted to walk out not being like upset or, or really frustrated with this movie. Like Jurassic World Dominion, which I keep forgetting is only a year oh, old. Man. But that movie feels like it didn't happen. Like, that's what oh, I was yeah. afraid this could be, is this movie <laughs> that makes me angry that it exists. And that's not what this is. So I'm... I'm pretty, you know, I'm looking forward. I'm actually going to see it again this weekend. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it a second time because I had fun the first time. What about you, bud? How did you feel? You've seen it three um, times? I've seen it three times now, uh, of which I'll get into the specifics of one of them later. But yeah, we're invited. We received two invites from Lucasfilm and Disney to watch it. But prior to that, I'd already booked tickets to go and see it with my dad because he's been there since day one with Indy. Um, so seeing it last night was the third time I saw it, which if anything, look, I'm just doing my research for you guys. I'm doing my, I'm doing it for the BAMP. Um, thankfully, I enjoyed the film enough that three times wasn't a chore. I don't often three, see any film more than once in the cinema. Um, but I I can say that having watched it three times on the third, third time around the sun, I didn't dislike the film. I wasn't bored still. I knew what was coming. The things which bothered me the first time still were there i still think the film is too long and yes guess what there's the, if you're doing if you're doing a uh, a bamp bingo mark that one off your card i think the film's a little bit too long uh i think it, it drags a little bit in places as we're getting from set piece to set piece but what i think mango does well is he does keep that kinetic energy of indiana jones where steven spielberg once said to make a good indie film you just got to make make sure it moves, make sure it just keeps going and you get a big set piece and then you get another one, then you get another one, then you get another one. And I did feel that kind of momentum. Yes, there were lulls through it, but I felt the momentum as we went through the set pieces, which for the most part, I think were uh, really well done. The opening one, which you mentioned, I think is the best DHA yeah. I've seen yet because we're not dealing with a a grand admiral, a, a grand admiral, grand moff Tarkin, where he's just, just standing there and just talking. This is a walking, talking, moving, fighting, shouting indie, and it looks great. There are a few moments where it looks very ropey, specifically towards the end, where I think they just reshot with a CGI Harrison Ford. Um, but I think that was great. Uh, but Harrison Ford, he, he knew this was his final outing. This is his words, not mine. This is he. We, this was his finale for the character. He said. I think he pours it all into it. I think he embraced the, you know, the character being old like he is, and I think he poured some of that into the character. And the film does deal with the aging hero, but it 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 doesn't lean on it to the point where it becomes a crutch too much. There are jokes here and there about he's an old man. We get that, but I think the I think they don't just make it. Oh, look at this old man struggling. Let's have the new guys coming and help him out. Not at all. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is excellent in this. Uh, I really, really think she's a great foil for Indy. Like you said, she stands toe-to-toe with Harrison Ford, and the two got on very well. Uh, I was introduced to uh, by my mate uh, Elizabeth to Fleabag, kind of the show where mm. she really made her name. Yes. She's so good in that. Like Her comic timing is great. Uh, comedy, to me, is more than just saying words. It's, what are you doing with your entire body? And she, she, she can give a look. She can give a the delivery, the timing. She's really very good. She goes really, really well, Indy. Um, Mads Mikkelsen's great. Uh, surprise, surprise. Mads Mikkelsen was very good in the role. Of course he is. He's really good. I loved his uh, character here. Toby Jones and John Rhys Davis for what they have are fun. Uh, Ethan Isidore, 
I thought was, uh, as Teddy was kind of the weak link in terms of the performances, he's not terrible, but uh, mm. when you're up against... Kids. I, I know, those, you know, damn those kids. Uh, was there something else then? Um, but again, when he's up against seasoned performers or, or, or those with a bit more experience, he's not bad, but it stands out a little bit more, I think. Um, uh, the film goes places. We've, we, I said to her, we said after the first time of seeing it, myself and Luke at Sessions said, it goes places. And we'll talk about it in spoilers. And if you can get on board, similarly to what we said with Crystal Skull, that none of this is real, then I think you're going to dig it. If you don't, then the th- when we get closer to the awards, the finale and the conclusion, I think you're going to fall off the wagon. But I enjoyed it, my friend. I got to see Nazis being punched. They got the sound design spot on. Every time someone got punched, you got that really deep th- thwack sound which made me laugh every time i think the the comedy was was good the only thing i'll say is and i put this in my review is it's it, it is missing some of that sort of spielberg charm and heart and spirit i do think some of that is missing the film isn't dull it's not boring and it isn't lacking for adventure but there was just something missing to really kind of propel it higher up in a rating for me uh, but overall, I've seen it three times, John. I enjoyed each and every one. Uh, the second time was great. Watching it again yesterday was fun. Hearing the audience interact at certain moments was was a good time. Uh, it didn't always go the way I thought, which I enjoyed. The way it ended up, I was satisfied with. I'll say that now. Um, and yeah, there's, there's not really. I don't really have any major complaints. I think what you said, my friend, is spot on. Bang on the money. It's a good time at the movies. I go to. I watch Indiana Jones to have a good time at the movies or a good time on the Blu-ray player. And I got this. I got this. It is pulpy. It is swashbuckling. It is fun. It's all those cliches that you can throw in it. And it's here. Is it perfect? No. Is it going to be the biggest action film or the best of the year? Probably not. But it's. But it was enough for me. And that's all I wanted this final Indiana Jones adventure to be was good, a good time at the movies and a satisfying send-off for Harrison Ford and a character which he loves dearly. We've now seen the the closure for Han Solo, for Rick Deckard, for Indiana Jones, his kind of core trio of characters are now done. I think he, that was something he wanted to do professionally as well, to tie those up. And we've got that now, Joby. Um, what they do with the franchise going forward, I don't know, if anything. Kind of part of me kind of hopes that they just don't, because I think this is a really nice place to I, end it. But I had a good it, time. It doesn't feel like there's a call for it. You know what I'm saying? Like Indiana Jones has, yeah. I don't, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's tons of fan fiction and you just don't hear people talk about it. Like star Wars had not even, you couldn't call it fan fiction, but like, like really the novels pre Disney's purchase of Lucasfilms were started as kind of fan fiction, right? Like when they started letting novels be written by non, they kept Lucas, it going and, and it kept, and it became this gigantic extended universe that got oh. reset when Disney bought it, but there's still Thank so God. much content. I don't know if that exists for Indiana Jones. I'm sure there's a few novels, but I, I don't um, think in the world. There's you know a few I mean? video like, games, isn't there? Yeah. It's got a hardcore fan base. I know that, but yes. I mean, I said it about the Crystal Skull back in 2008. I mentioned it just now. Is you know, we've w- was there a place for indie in in 2008? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Was there? And then people are asking the same now. Was like, do we need another indie film in 2023? I'm well, glad we then- got it because it provides that denouement for Harrison, but. I think you're right. Is is there a call or is there a necessity to go further? And obviously, indie even is a throwback to the old swashbuckling films that yeah. Lucas grew up with. 
and it was made to give Spielberg his Bond movie also. Like, that's an important legend uh, that Spielberg wanted to do Bond. They wouldn't let him do Bond. So Lucas is like, I got something better. Um, mm-hmm. And some might say that's true. I I like indie collectively more than the Bond movies, but I'm, I think I like the Craig movies collectively more, except for Raiders. I think Raiders is the best of all of those. But... Ooh. um. But <laughs> what a good question. We've got Uncharted, we have uh Tomb Raider, you know, there's so many movies of the modern generation that are clearly inspired by Indiana Jones. Yeah. I mean, you know, and there was talk for a while about Chris Pratt, which that was long before he was uh um Star Lord. There was talk about him being the next Indiana Jones, and and then he got Owen, who I think Owen in the Jurassic World movies is supposed to have that kind of swashbuckling vibe. It doesn't work, but they tried. I think Star Lord does have that a little bit. Um, he's obviously mm-hmm. he does raid an arc, liter- or not an arc, but he raids a a, a cave in the beginning of Guardians yeah. One. You know, like it's very much. And it in- feels like an audition for indie, doesn't it? It does. It very much does. And so, like, we have things that I think th- of all of the franchises, I think there's proof that you can just take this idea and make something adjacent that feels like indie, but not call it indie, and people will still come see it. Uncharted did okay last year, which was the theaters were just coming back. Um, you know, whether we like it or not, it's not my point. I'm just saying, like, people went to see it because we love Nathan Drake, and Nathan Drake clearly inspired by Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I, I hope this is the last Indiana Jones film. I would follow, I don't remember Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character's name, but I would follow a film franchise oh, with Helena. that character. If they do a Helena and the blah, 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 I'm in. You know, I'll, I'll watch um, that. Yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely, I'd also love to watch the meltdown people have uh, when it was announced, oh, yeah. but, because um, I've already seen it, the film's been called Woke. And if you watch the film, oh. I struggle I really do. Even even if I wanted to prove it was true, I struggle to because it ain't. Um, yeah, I, I would watch more of uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge as I think is it Helena or Helena or whatever. Helena. I think it's Helena. Um, yeah, probably is. I think I've just tried to be too exotic. I, I would watch more of her as Helena and um, Teddy's Adventures or um, yeah, whatever. I mean, I can see them going down the route of reviving that kind of young Indiana Jones and having somebody yeah. akin to a chris pratt i mean I, I don't think they're gonna let it die they've got the i i don't want to let it die because that sounds negative because i love the franchise and i really had a great time with dial of destiny and i think for this iteration and for harrison and leave it where it is now but yeah. i don't think they will because this is it's well, business the hope i would have is that at least like wait a good amount of time before you try to yes. reboot it you know like yeah because even, I mean, the, the gap between Last Crusade and Crystal Skull is almost 20, uh, 40 years? 20 years? It's 2008, 1989. 19, 20 years, yeah. And this has been so, 15 years. Yes, since the last. Oh, damn, so it has. Just let it, let it sit a little longer mm-hmm. before you recast. Um, especially since Unless- Harrison Ford clearly does beloved, like, has love for this character, so. Oh, he yeah, you could see him in tears the other day when um, over here in the UK, um, uh, Ali Plum, who, who we've met a few times on the sessions, he's a very, very good host and kind of compare and DJ and presenter in the UK here, did an interview with Harrison and he basically ended it by saying, you know, we, it, we I want to thank you on behalf of just everyone for, for the character, blah, 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 blah. And you can see Harrison, he's Harrison's, Harrison's got tears in his eyes when he's saying, you know, that means the world to me, this character is everything. 
you know, thank you so much for the support. And you'll never see Harrison Ford like that ever again, you know, in public. It was, I wouldn't say tough to watch because it isn't. It was beautiful to watch. It's really heartwarming to see, you know, like just what this means to Harrison. And I think that comes out in the, in the final film. But just my kind of last point is to keep it real world. This film cost damn near $300 million to make. It is going to have to take a lot of money, which I don't think it will do to break even. It's going to have to take, well, crystal skull money and more, which was pretty much 800 million to really make money. So, this could end up losing money or, you know, breaking even, which obviously for the future wouldn't bode well. And I wonder how much of that went on the de-aging and stuff like that, because it's prevalent because yeah. uh, there's a few instances of it, but there's also that to, to, to look into. I'll be interested JB to follow the, the, the trajectory of the box office going forward. Cause it's, it's looking to open into about 60 or 70 in the U S and about 140, I think 100 between 120, 140 worldwide, which, Ordinarily, I'd say it's a pretty big win, but with that budget kind of looming over everything, it it needs to have legs, and, and time will tell if it does. So that is our non-spoiler coverage of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. We will have a spoiler episode dropping a few days from now, so if you're mm-hmm. subscribed, you'll get that, and if you've seen the movie, feel free to listen. If you haven't, we're going to recommend you hold off because we are going to talk about the ending of the film, which we won't do right now. But Let's shift gears to chopped headlines. This is movie or pop culture news that caught our attention since uh, the very recent last time we recorded. Um, but there's been a lot of movie news. So, Matt, what's your headline this week? Uh, mine was talking about, you mentioned James Bond, and mine is uh, a James Bond-themed uh, article. It's from Entertainment Weekly by Shania Russell. Headline reads, Idris Elba says he soured on the idea of playing James Bond after it became about race. It goes on to say the English actor was super complimented when casting speculation first emerged until it became about nonsense. So this is taken from an interview done on the Smart Less podcast, which is hosted by Will Arnett, Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes. Idris was a, a, a guest on it recently. And, you know, he was says, you know, it was crazy to that. The fact that his name was being mentioned, he's, he said, you know, we're all actors. We understand this is one of those coveted roles. He said, it's like the pinnacle to be asked to be James Bond. Uh, and he said, it's one of the things that the world seems to have a vote in because of the popularity and the kind of cultural significance of Bond as a character. So whilst he said it was a compliment that every corner of the world was talking about it, he said some corners, were really happy about it. Some were not. He said, you know, those that weren't happy about the idea made the whole thing disgusting and off-putting because it became about race. It became about nonsense. And I got the brunt of it. And it goes on to say that Anthony Horowitz, who, who wrote three authorized bond films, uh, bond novels, sorry, following in the footsteps of Ian Fleming, who obviously created a character. He, Anthony Horowitz said eight years ago that Elba was too street to play 007, too street. He did end up apologising only because social media picked up on it and he he got caught basically. So, um, but it's uh, it, it, it's a shame to hear Idris Elba coming out and saying that because it's clear to me that you know without any of this crap surrounding it, if Barbara Broccoli said to him, Idris, we want you to be the next James Bond, he would have snapped their hand off and taken it. And Idris Elba's name, and I mention it because Idris Elba's name has been in the hat for such a long time like since we knew daniel craig was 
f- hanging up the keys to the Aston Martin and speculation was <coughs> rife about who's going to take over. Idris uh-huh. Elba's name has been in the hat for the longest time and w- uh, it, it's it's hypothetical speculation and conjecture to sit here and say, would he have been good or bad? Because we'll never know. Uh, I, I, I can't even imagine what he'd be like as James Bond because every actor... Uh, they throw themselves into a role differently to how maybe I'd conceive they would or how maybe even how they would have done. Uh, I'd like to think he would have been a good James Bond. I'm a big fan of Idris Elba on the whole. But to hear that it was, he basically was like, you know what? No, there's, there's, there's too many idiots in the world who, who are ruining it for him because they can't get past the fact that he is black and not a white man, which, you know, without getting too deep into it is, on, I, I will never understand why anybody would have an issue with that you know to the bottom of my heart i have have no idea why that would cause so much consternation james bond isn't real so for all the the, (laughs) what yeah i know for all those backwards people out there and for all those freaks and geeks out there james bond ain't real james bond can be whoever you want it to be guess what ariel isn't real either and she was whoever they wanted to be and i think halle bailey was really very good you know han solo isn't real when they got old Nerenrock to play him as well. He was good. It, it, there, there is this idea that, well, you know, it has to be this because it was in a book once, you know, it was really great to say it was going to be this. Well, it doesn't matter. You know, it just, it's an interpretation of the role. It's about the person. It's about the character in a sense as well. You know, you're coming to see James Bond and you come to see what cool things James Bond does. If people can't get past that because of who's playing it, I think these, I think it's embarrassing and I think it's uh, it's juvenile when it is just the most backward, backwards behaviour I've ever heard. And even with the new Superman casting recently, people are getting upset about that because firstly, it's not Henry Cavill. Secondly, well, he's not buff enough. And thirdly, I've never heard of him. Just let let let, let everybody cook a little bit and let's see what they give us. I, I'm quite excited by the Superman casting. But uh, yeah, I saw this headline. Of course, it's inflammatory to some, but I don't care. I think it's just a shame when a very talented actor has to essentially rule himself out of the role of a lifetime, as he said, because outside forces just aren't happy would make his life hell. No time for it, JB, of course. But yeah. uh, obviously you, you, you've heard the story and read about it. What are your thoughts on that? And I know I've just said it's all hypothetical, but you know, would you have, in, in, in another world, would you have liked to see Idris as, as the character? Oh, yeah. I'm a big Idris Elba fan anyways. And um, I, I really hope, whoever is bond they have a different take on the character like they did with the craig bond that's the thing i think that really worked for me the most with the craig bond was it was it felt different it didn't feel like they're just remaking the other movies or this was a direct continuation with a new actor it felt like a different closed-in story so i hope whatever like whether it's a female bond which has been thrown about or if it's you know a uh different race which shouldn't matter as you pointed out but you know just Mm -hmm. to give the character something new but idris would have been fantastic i think idris is cursed because he keeps getting bad franchises um despite being great himself um like i think he's great in everything but yeah he has had some bad luck as we've seen uh you know dark tower fail miserably um i didn't think he was bad in it but it wasn't good Uh, he often is and this isn't pearl clutching either this isn't saying what we what i think the world wants to hear i generally think it's abysmal that somebody can have to Agreed. not take the job they want because somebody's too short-sighted you know people can jump on that bandwagon or they want and call it pearl clutching or or pandering it's not it's just being a decent human being 
yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, so I, it's a shame that anyone feels like they, I mean, I also respect him for like, not wanting to deal with that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like we, there's a debate in clerks about, uh, like the people who are working on the death star and like choosing the jobs because you know, there's a a consequence. This is that Idris is like, yeah, being bond isn't worth all of the hate. I'm going to have to deal with. Like, I'm sure he's already had enough, you know, just from the speculation if he actually did bond, like he, I don't fault him for not wanting to. It is a shame that he has to make that decision, but I don't, I don't have any issue with him deciding he doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, my friend. It's, it is, it is it, on the flip side, like you say, it's nice for somebody to stand up for what they believe in and, and, and not have to put themselves through that, whether they should have to or not. But I hear what you say, my friend. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what caught my eye this week. What about yourself, my friend? Um, the, interestingly enough, there's a similar element to this, but Anthony Mackie, uh, spoke up the Jonathan majors controversy, um, has, uh, started to process. Like there was something with the courts this week. And I think August 4th is like majors court date for the oh, yeah. alleged domestic violence, uh, thing that happened. Um, and Mackie spoke out not in, I wouldn't say in support of majors, but, um, just in the, the, I would say, support of due process, um, that we are innocent until proven guilty. And um, the article points out that he's the first uh, Avenger, but first um, MCU actor to speak out. And the fact that Anthony Mackie is also black and Jonathan Majors is black, it's a little icky that no one else has stepped up and said anything about it and Mackie hasn't worked with Jonathan Majors so like there is some like man like couldn't anybody else have spoke up faster like even like if we're gonna support Majors if we're supposed to be backing due process nobody else Mm -hmm. has said anything for two months um, or three months it's been a while since Majors was uh, arrested and accused of the crimes that he's still on trial for Um, but so Ultimately, the article is basically just kind of laying that out that Mackie said this. Uh, and re- the article does remind, too, that because the woman that um, accused Majors of the domestic violence has also been arrested, I believe, or at least there was enough evidence to arrest her for domestic violence as well. But there's been some mm-hmm. uh, pushback about, like, is, is that just because of the traditional me- process where the guy accuses the woman and then mm-hmm. it gets kind of flipped uh or but the article reminds due process for both like it, both are innocent until proven guilty we don't know a lot of details right now and in terms of the legal system until it goes through the court system they're both innocent until they have been found guilty um of course there's a lot of semantics you could get into with that but just you know this the fact that majors is such a vital role to this extended universe of Marvel and no one has spoke up about it um, mm-hmm. has been pretty jarring. Um, so I, I, when I, this caught my eye, I, I couldn't resist because Mackie's been uh, a, a, like, they're filming Captain America right now. So he and Ford have been, there's like press images of him and Ford behind the scenes and stuff been been released. And so he's been uh, it kind of in the forefront of the talk with Marvel lately at least in the the news world. Um, so him choosing this, that to, to say something, 
you know, I, it's interesting. And again, it's he's not defending majors. He's just reminding everyone to like, don't judge him yet. You know, like don't throw him as a villain before he's been proven to be a villain essentially is mm-hmm. the, the theme of the article. So it, it's one of those things. It's hard to tell, uh, you know, especially because so many other people stepped up immediately who had not accused, who had not officially accused majors of doing horrific things, but are telling their stories now. And it's, it's one of those things uh, I would say post me too movement where we want to listen to people making these claims because mm-hmm. for so long people in power would shut those claims down before they could ever see the light of day. And that's, we don't want to get back into that position again, where that's the default, that's the norm. Um, so there is always that apprehension, I think, where we are, maybe, maybe we knee jerk reaction are too quick to condemn somebody because we don't want to fall backwards to where we're not, yeah. where we're letting horrific things happen with nobody paying the price for it, except for the victims. Um, I, I don't know for sure, but I think Mackie, you know, took a, took a chance that, didn't seem calculated by the studio at least it seemed like mackie just speaking out so uh yeah i think it's it, we, we're living in this kind of pr driven world are we jb where i imagine the the agents and managers and publicity talent and or agency people are, for all these char- uh, characters all these people and actors and performers are saying keep it zipped don't say anything we don't we don't we don't want you getting dragged into this and i think it's sad in a way, but uh, at the same time, I can kind of understand it because you know it yeah. comes out from themselves. And yeah, what what you said is spot on. Anthony Mackie is in no way saying Jonathan Major's innocent. You know, stop dogpiling. He's pretty much just saying nothing's been proven about any of this. He's saying everyone's proven too guilty, and that's all I can say. This is where we are as a society, he says. But you know, innocent until proven guilty. I mean, yeah, I'd like to think in my own kind of reading between the lines, he's kind of thinking saying that if the dude's guilty, then so be it, you know, see, he will face his punishment. Um, and yeah, I agree with you, my friend. We, we also, we've, I, I want to believe everyone when they come out and say that they have been a victim of abuse. We do sometimes run the risk though, of mainly on social media, push going, going too far on the other side now where we, we aren't willing to kind of listen or, or open our eyes to the idea that maybe people are innocent uh until proven guilty and they are still innocent and and i don't want to get into that kind of oh people are lying thing because it comes from all all sides now most of that is also because of my ignorance i don't know anything about the case i don't know anyone involved and i'm not gonna sit here and be like oh well he probably isn't he probably is guilty because what an idiot thing to do i think what anthony mackie's saying is is spot on in in the city like factually that yeah nothing has been proven here there are allegations from both sides. And I also think to your point that as part of the, almost the process, you know, the, the defendants are also now issuing counterclaims against the prosecutor saying, well, actually it was, it was our client who was, who was affected by this. And it gets very messy, very, uh, very quickly. And, you know, for the, for the, for, for the sake of all involved, I hope it gets sorted quickly, but sorted correctly as well. Nothing to do with the MCU, nothing to do with, anyone's career but you know just for the just for what's right for justice let's get this done asap but what anthony mackie is saying like you said without actually supporting john uh jonathan majors he's just simply saying that he's you know basically he's been put on the spot on a press tour or something he's basically said well what about what's happening to jonathan majors and he's just been honest and look well all i can say is innocent till proven guilty 
he hasn't at all said you guys are crazy. He said the society is crazy where we are, and I agree with him because you know the social media clamour. You know everybody's everybody's an expert on social media, whether it's conspiracy theories with the recent Titan incident. Everybody seems to know what's going on with that, or it's with these criminal cases or anyone. People online seem to know everything, or they've made their mind up based on the way somebody looks, the way somebody acts, or I already always had a feeling. Just you know, log off from that because it's not the real world. I would you know it, we have to wait until the process has run its course, and whatever comes of it in the end. I just hope people respect it. I don't think they will, but whatever the case is, if Jonathan Majors is guilty, he will face the crime, the punishment that he deserves. If he's innocent, yeah. then we move on with that in our minds. But I think one thing Mackie saying, JB, is he's not wrong and he's not supportive at the same time. Yeah, I, I, I think, it, you know, um, that seems to be the case. So those are our headlines for the week. Uh, not the happiest of headlines, but, you know, that's <laughs> why they're often headlines. Um, But let's look at what we've been consuming in media consumption. This is movie, TV, video games, music, podcasts, whatever we use to pass the time. Again, we're recording these a little tighter uh, than usual. Um, So Matt hasn't had as much time. I have, apparently. So uh, I am on summer summer vacation, though, so that that helps. But Matt, what have you been consuming since the last time we recorded? Well, not much, JB, as you say, but... um... Was it any good what I, I consumed? I listened to, again, to the Wondery uh, series about The Exorcist, which is similarly similar to the Blockbuster uh, series that you introduced me to about George Lucas and Jim Cameron. It's a kind of it's a behind-the-scenes look at how the film was made from its from like the original story of the, the boy in St. Louis, not Georgetown, uh, up until, you know, the film's release and post-release with Billy Friedkin. And it's got kind of, it's got, it hasn't got a voice cast, it's got one guy mainly doing the impressions, but it's really good, really well produced, really interesting behind the scenes look at how it is made, um, how the how the sausage was made, if you will. Uh, so I've heard it before, but not for about, Christ, probably before this show started, so I'd forgotten a lot of it in those five, six years. So um, listen to that because uh, I wanted something a little different from an audio book to listen to on my commutes. Um, I watched Extraction 2 on Netflix as well, the... Oh. Um, chris hemsworth action film did you see this one jb i still haven't watched it yet but uh we didn't love the first one no um no the because the first one just felt a bit i know i know a lot of people really did enjoy it i think it was at one point i didn't hate it watched yeah it's just there netflix the most viewed film of all time for a short period of time it's you know it's good it's got an impressive kind of 12 minute one take action scene chris hemsworth is as uh charismatic as ever but it felt just kind of ho-hum uh in terms of action uh, I couldn't remember because I know JB, as he's mentioned, consumes quite a lot. So I didn't wanted to make sure I didn't miss Extraction Two in the middle of it. But um, so I watched this one. It's two hours long, and it, it follows. It has sequelitis, you know, uh, another BAMP trademark. It it goes bigger, it goes badder, it goes louder. You, you want a twelve-minute long take? How about a twenty-one-minute one long take of an action scene, which is admittedly very, very impressive. I will give full props to that. Uh, and Extraction Two is. It's no worse than Extraction, JB. It's it, it's pretty good. It's a throwback to those action films. You know, Chris Hemsworth is a he's an action star. He's speaking in his native Australian tongue, which also helps. You get this badass Australian. It, but it is it, it's very much John Wick 
or uh, the or um, Bob Odenkirk from Nobody, and the fact that yeah, you know, you, you take your licks, you take your beatings, but at the same time, you've got unlimited ammo. You can do whatever. You can do death-defying stunts, and after a while, it just becomes a bit noisy. Like everything that's going on is just okay. It's just huge, like over-the-top action after sequence after another. It's fine. It's pretty decent. I think it will do well for Netflix. I think they, I think they've managed to find themselves their own kind of like niche and niche action genre here in terms of like their own kind of John Wick type thing with um, Tyler Rake. I think they're going to push forward for more films, and if they keep doing well in terms of the numbers, which well we we never see the evidence of those, but they say it's doing yep. well, then they'll they'll keep doing them. I think yeah, the the, the twenty one minute long one is incredibly well done. I will say that right now. It's really, really well done. And it moves as well. It moves from location to location, from foot to to cars to trains. And it and it and it feels like it doesn't feel like a gimmick. When it first started, I thought, okay, I literally did think, right, here we go, this is it. This is this is the wanna. But as it was going on, I kind of forgot that it was a one shot and was just really getting into it. So I really dug that. Technically really well done. It's not particularly the most interesting film. Gold Shifter Farahani is very cool in her role. Chris Hemsworth is 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 eminently watchable. He's a very watchable movie star. And mm. it is good, John. It is a throwback action film to the days of big, muscly, sweaty men taking out other muscly, sweaty men involving rockets and helicopters. It's a good film. You know, it, it, if you like extraction, you'll dig this. And... Um, I also watched Secret Invasion episode one, the new Marvel ah. series, the whole Nick Fury scroll thing, and uh, I, you know, I'd heard it was doing just like the MCU's Andor, and I thought, oh, I'm here for this, and I mean, I, I watched the episode one, and I was like, this, <laughs> I don't know what they were watch because this isn't that. Uh, it's the first ep- the first episode wasn't bad. It's I feel like the first episode is very much dipping the toe into the water. I've heard episode two goes like bonkers. Uh, episode one did feel like kind of like very much like the first chapter here. Let's just get everybody in. There's a few moments in it, which will get people going, get the juice, it gets the people going. But overall I was, they're going for this kind of dark, more mature, more nuanced uh, thriller approach. And at times it's there, but it wasn't consistent. You could say the same about Andor. And I will do for the first two episodes of that as well, before it blasted into life. Um, so I'm hoping for more from the second episode onwards, but I've heard that episode two is a, is a bit of a humdinger, so I'll check mm. that one out ahead of the next episode. By the time we get the next one, we'd have had a few episodes. So I've also watched I also watched The Mandalorian season three gallery, which is a behind the scenes documentary. And it's good. It's fine. It's 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 extremely safe. There's no revelations, there's no major reveals. It's just here's how we made the scenes on the volume, which you've which you already know. The first season gallery was excellent it was it was i think six or eight round tables with the president of lucasfilm with john favreau dave filoni and depending on the topic it was either some of the directors or some of the crew or some of the cast and they really kind of got deep into season one of the mando it was a it was an education on how to do a damn good behind the scenes breakdown of which we don't really get anymore we used to get them on dvds all the time but not anymore and then season two was it was fine and then season three's behind the scenes again this has been it's kind of very surface level and it's you know, we've i know how this works by now where's the kind of intrigue it's good though it's fine if you love it behind the scenes and you really want to spend an hour or so watching it go ahead and watch it but you probably won't learn that much that you didn't know before so uh yeah short week for me this week jb but uh I know that you're going to take the reins and watch a few more things. Well, you know, 
Um, I have a little more time. I have been playing Hogwarts Legacy. I'm starting with that. Um, I uh, I really, really enjoy the game. It's I, I don't know how far into the actual story I am because I'm doing a lot of the side quests, but there is so much you can do. It is a massive game, and I'm. It's one of those games where I kind of just want to do all of it, even stuff that usually I would like write off as like, well, this is tedious. Like you just have to find the like this thing, and you get like maybe you get a new piece of gear. But I'm just having fun exploring and and being in the world of of Harry Potter and or the Wizarding World. Um, it does. It's a it's a prequel by like a hundred years. Or I think it's like a hundred mm-hmm. years before the events of uh, Harry Potter. Um, I, I am having a blast with it. I am enjoying the story too. Like I'm actually like, I am interested in the story. Um, it's just, it's one of those things that I think they've done really, really, really good job of. It's fun to play. And um, it, I'm having a, like, I'm like, man, I, I kind of think I'm going to invest way too many hours into this because I want to do all the side stuff. So <laughs> uh, it's been, it's been really cool. Um, there's even uh, without, this isn't a spoiling story, but there is an element of the game. I don't, I don't think this is a spoiler, but uh, you you do get to be a little bit of a fantastic beast because uh, you get a, a a bag that lets you capture magical beasts, and uh, you get to like feed them, and it's almost Tamagotchi esque. Like you have to like you have to pet them, and you have to feed them, and then you get some byproducts that you can use to like make your gear better. And uh, I was like, man, they've already they've made this better than any of the Fantastic Beast movies as well. So like overall. <laughs> really into the Hogwarts game. Um, so yeah, uh, movie wise, um, I've watched a few things. Uh, I've decided to watch Paprika, the, uh, uh, Satoshi Khan 2006 film. I think it Mm -hmm. is his last film. Um, if I'm correct, that appears to be correct. Um, wild movie. Uh, I didn't know. I'm not surprised because perfect blue is wild. I haven't seen Tokyo Godfather, uh, which is on my list. Um, but man, Paprika, really good movie. Um, then, uh, that same day, uh, Regal, our local Regal theater had their mystery movie and wasn't sure what it was going to be. Uh, big tuna was like, it's going to be theater camp. And he was right. Um, <laughs> got to see theater camp, uh, which really worked for me. Um, it, it, I was in the hottest auditorium that our local theater has where like, it doesn't, it did not feel like the air was on at all and by the end of the movie because it was a fairly crowded start to the mystery movie and then some people walked out uh maybe because it's a, it's a little bit of a progressive film in ways um you know there are some gay characters and things like that so not everybody who was in the theater seemed to be okay with that kind of thing but also some people just probably don't like theater kids and that is what the movie is it's it's theater <laughs> kids um you have your your main cast uh the director is also in the, the cast, Molly Gordon, but Ben Platt, uh, Jimmy uh, Tatro, Noah Galvin, um, Patty Harrison, Io uh, Adib, oh man, I can never learn how to say Io's name, Adija Berry, um, who's going to have this year is like her year. There's so much coming out with mm-hmm. her in it. She's in Bottoms. She's April O'Neil in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. She's in The Bear season two. That's out right now. Um, and she's also in season one, but I mean, season two is from this year. Like, I think this might be her superstar breakout year. And she was a regular on the Blank Check podcast. So I love seeing her get to do all this stuff. Um, she's not a major role in theater camp, but she's good in it. Uh, I had a blast with the film. And um, it's funny in the first two acts, but the third act, all of the, the first two acts, it becomes clear how much of it was set up for the finale. And it, it lands real hard with the end of the movie. And I was 
laughing quite a bit towards the end. So I, I really think theater camp is something to check out. Uh, Matt, I'm sure our listeners, you probably know, we have Insidious, the Red Door, coming out in uh, this fr- this Friday, actually, when you're listening to this. Um, I haven't seen Insidious 2, 3, or 4. So I, I bought the box set, and I've watched two. Uh, I don't think I like... <laughs> not just the insidious movies i don't think i get what james one's take on horror is okay. um w- with the exception of conjuring which i think is a great example of a horror movie Very uh, good. i think it looks good i think it's tonally really cool i everything else i, I like dead silence but that one's like weird and it, it just kind of that worked for me he, i don't know like i don't mind i i'm a big fan of horror comedy I am a big fan of a lot of horror. Something with the way he approaches it feels silly or like gimmicky with the plot devices that he uses. And it does not click for me. Um, I, I don't think a lot of his quote unquote twists are twists. They're just like pulling the rug out from underneath the audience and being like, aha, you never knew. It's like, yeah, so good job, I guess. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. and I, I don't know, man, I, he's such a beloved director and I, I, the, the movies just don't really click for me. Um, uh, you know, I, I forgot the name of the, the most recent one. Um, um, Malignant. Yeah, that one really yeah. didn't work for me. Um, it worked for a lot of other people. So, like, obviously, there's all different tastes uh, when it comes to genre. I clearly have a, a, a love of the genre, but there's something with his his approach that I just do not mesh with. And I found Insidious Chapter 2 to be kind of bad um there's some parts in it that i just i'm like wow this is this is awful uh so i I can't imagine three and four really clicking for me since those are not beloved movies of the franchise um Uh, and the red the red door news for you john yeah they ain't gonna (laughs) yeah yeah and the red door isn't instilling a lot of hope in me from the trailer like it, it has a lot of the same nonsense that i think is cheesy in the other movies so see what happens yeah they're not. I, I don't mind the first film as much. I think that's again. Yeah. Usually in these franchises, the reason they get or they become franchises, you know, shock horror is because they got a solid first film makes money. Insidious has that, and it just didn't need to go on and on. And the films get more and more progressively. They kind of they move away from what the first film was, and the last key is bloody awful. Um, oh, I remember God. talking about it on the. I remember talking about it on the show. In fact. Um, uh. And just saying it, this just stinks. Um, so I have no hope for Insidious the Red Door. But that said, a few people who I know have seen it, um, somehow, uh, I don't know if it's had advanced screenings or not, maybe in the States, but I know people who have seen it who have said, actually, it isn't bad. Now, I will hold judgment on that because, like you, I'm not the biggest Insidious. I'd actually no scratch that. I'm not a fan of the Insidious franchise. It's not one I get excited for. And when I realised last that next week we're going to be talking about that Red Door, I thought, oh crap. But um, I don't mind James Wan too much. I get, I get you though. I, I feel you. I know what you're saying. Malignant worked for me because it just felt so kind of out there. And I'm like, yeah, I want horror sometimes to just be a bit daft and a bit weird like this and kind of string you along for that ride and the conjuring though was obviously a bit more straightforward i think that's a damn solid and scary horror film and then yeah in between is that ups and downs i'm not going to say when i see a james wan film attached to something i don't immediately think oh here we go this is where the fun begins but i don't see it necessarily as a as a badge of doom 
but uh, yeah. yeah, Insidious the Red Door. Let's see. Hopefully, it's hopefully it's a banger, and we eat our words. Hopefully, I always want the movies to be good, and I'd love for like maybe I maybe I'm just haven't expanded my taste enough to understand him, and maybe if I start to, um, maybe I'll I'll turn my my uh, the corner and start to say, oh, James Wan. But so far, not the case. Um, one of once. So. Uh, I'm going to go out of order here, but I saw today, uh, just an hour or so before this podcast recording, um, I went to see uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse for the second time. Um, I've been wanting to go since I tried to go one day and the theater wasn't open yet. Uh, (laughs) They had some kind of technical malfunction. Um, So I tried to go once before, uh, but didn't get to. So this was the second time I was able or second time I tried and finally able to see it. And man, that movie holds up. Um, I had just as much fun this time around. Um, still one of my favorite movies of the year, if not my current favorite of the year. Um, just so good. Uh, I actually, I picked up a lot of little things that I didn't notice cause I was just watching it the first time. So this time I was like looking for little things. Like I didn't catch the name of Gwen's band at the beginning of the movie. Um, this, the Mary Janes, if you didn't, uh, I didn't catch, catch it. either. Uh, it's on the, the bass drum, but I didn't I didn't bother to read it, I guess, because I was like looking at Gwen this time. I'm like, I've already seen, so I'm going to like scan the, the frames a little more. Um, a lot of stuff in the movie like that that I picked up on this time because I had seen it. So I was like looking for extra stuff. Um, really, really enjoyed that. Uh, and then I can't say anything about it yet, but we'll be talking about it in two weeks. Um, I have seen Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Nice. My review will be live at uh, BurkeReviews.com on June. Sorry, that's wrong. July 5th. Um, So if you're listening to this either on or after July 5th, you can uh, read my thoughts, but I can't say anything else. That's all I can say is that my thoughts will be public soon Mm -hmm. enough. Um, I'm very excited to read them. And uh, lastly, I've been watching The Bear kind of slowly but surely on uh, season two on Hulu. Um, I've watched through episode seven. Uh, everyone's really excited about six. Um, Big Tune has been kind of the anti episode six voice, and I <laughs> agree with him. Um, I I thought six was a bit much. It's also one of the longer episodes, and it it feels it. Um, What's the bear about, John? Because I've heard very good oh, things about dude, it. It's so good. Um, it's the first season. Um, uh, the the main guy Carm uh, has taken ownership of his brother's restaurant because his brother is now dead and um but he is a like top tier like five star chef like and the restaurant is a uh he's not an actual bear but um the restaurant is uh like a italian uh sandwich shop uh italian beef sandwich shop in chicago very like hole in the wall type sandwich shop and he's trying to basically turn it into a more you know, realized kitchen. So like he starts calling everybody chef and he's demanding that they call him that. And that first season is very tense, but it's him trying to get the business going and and getting into the flow of things. And also kind of like coming back home. That's a vibe. Um, I don't remember if in season one, they really explain why it's called the bear season two. It starts to make more sense why it's called the bear. Um, And uh, I, the thing I love most is the, every character even in season one where it's very narrowly focused like there's a lot of people but it's really on like three characters that you're you're centering on Mm -hmm. um the side characters still mattered to me in that first season and you see them all starting to slowly buy in to what he's trying to do 
And then season two is, uh, with, I don't want to spoil season one, but season two picks up where season one left off. Okay. And um, they're, they all, and the thing that I think the show has done really well is all of the characters have stayed where they got, like they, they haven't like fallen backwards. I find a lot of times with sequels and second seasons, third seasons characters, like all their growth just resets and they're the same horrible person they were at the beginning of the last movie or the beginning of the last series. That's not happened here. They're they're very much continuing on the path. And that Ooh. the natural progression of that is season one is like uncut gems in the kitchen. It's like nonstop anxiety. People are yelling. People are angry. They're, they're everyone's. There's just constant tension, like power struggles. Season two is way more subdued because they've now come to a place through all of that tension where they are mostly a team. That's not to say there's not tension or there's not conflict but it feels different and it feels like the natural progression from the previous season um episode six feels like the first season again and it is to be fair a flashback episode it's going back quite a few years in fact um and there's a lot of cameos in it i won't say who uh but uh it it felt it felt out of place in the first six episodes by comparison to the first five and then seven only cemented that feeling because seven is such a different tone than six and seven is fantastic. That episode is great. And that's where I've stopped. But um, I, I really recommend this show. If you've ever worked in a kitchen, you're going to see like what you'll have maybe some flashbacks of what it was like to be in the kitchen kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's tense. And uh, there's a lot of stuff there. It's funny. It's not just tense. I think that's important to note. There is a lot of humor. Um, Io again is in the show and she is great. Uh, she's kind of the second lead, I would say uh, in the series, um, that uh, maybe could be debated, but she's definitely a, a key character. If not the second lead, she's easily one of the main characters. Um, but yeah, I, I'm loving the season two. I'm looking forward to getting through it. Most of the episodes are 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, episode six is almost an hour. So, um, again, why it's, it's just notable, noticeably different, but, um, yeah, that's what I've been consuming. Uh, would you recommend me to start the bear soon? I would love for you to start the bear. I, uh, I know you don't do a lot of series, but it's, uh, I think the first season is only eight episodes. Um, I think season two is more, I think season two is 13 or something like that, but, um, I, I might be wrong on that, but, uh, I, I, I think it's great and I definitely think it's worth watching. Sweet. I will, uh, cause I've been interested in watching, I've heard nothing but good things and, uh, I might uh, dive into that, and this time I know I say that every week, but I may actually do it. I still need to finish Stranger Things, but uh, I, I would like is to. Is it on me. Disney Plus for you? Because it's Hulu here, and you don't have Hulu, right? I no, we don't. I'm even though it should be, but uh, let me check because it should be on Disney Plus. Um, cool, it is. Yeah, so I've just checked. Uh, it's on Disney right. Plus, so I'll watch well, it on there. I was going to say while Matt checks that, let me check to see how you've been staying bloody awesome because we have to do that. We have to every week, make sure we are doing something to keep our bloody awesome levels at optimal, uh, operating, you know, capacity. So Matt, what awesome thing have you done since the last time we recorded? And it was bloody awesome JB. And it was, and it was, it was, it took a little while, a bit of effort to get get there, but we did it. It was uh, over at Star Wars sessions. We were invited by Lucasfilm and Disney studios UK to, uh, we went to the multimedia screening, so your yeah, press screening last week, and then later on in the week, we were invited to the the pre- that the UK premiere of it, that the full on red carpet, uh, and you know with access to 
be right where the action is. We 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 weren't pressed because we don't put ourselves forward for that. Um, we just want to be there to soak it all up. And we attended that on Monday, and it was an absolute blast. JB, uh, full on red carpet. Uh, Harrison Ford was there. James Mangold. Everyone we've mentioned in the synopsis cast synopsis up top was there, uh, and it was fantastic. And we were able to get up close and personal with them. Able to. Uh, get some <clears throat> new anecdotes from them, shall we say, uh, from the interactions, grab a few snaps, uh, meet a few people there as well. We, I got, I got the famous Harrison Ford point because I asked yep. him for a picture and he was like, he, he just got one. Uh, he just did. And, um, I, I noticed later on in the evening, I've mentioned this before, but he, a few other people, a few people asked him, of course people want a picture of him. I actually got a response. Everybody else, so he just kind of looked at and, just walked off, even if they were begging him. I think his protocol is he doesn't take pictures. He was signing one thing for each person who wanted him to, no pictures. And I get it. I dig it. You know, it could be for a multitude of reasons why that would be, and I respect it. I'm just happy yeah. now that I've got a story to dine out on for oh, a, a long time now. Getting, I, I actually saw that video today, and I was so hyped to see it. Um, it was very cool to see how close you were to Harrison Ford and him like uh, say very something close. to you. Um and also, you got a picture with somebody else, though, didn't you? Oh, damn. I did, JB, with uh, Ray Skywalker, Daisy Ridley. Oh, man, that was a dream come true. And it was funny because she was obviously part of the Lucasfilm Disney family, was up on the balcony above the entrance to the theatre with uh, Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy, who we also got very close to. And Frank Marshall, legendary producer Frank Marshall, was there taking pictures and getting stuck in. Um but she was up there with Kathy Kennedy and Charmino Bay Chinoy, who is the director of Ms. Marvel and is also directing the new Jedi Order film, which is coming out, we think, in 2026. So that was just pretty much more confirmation that film is is happening and going ahead. Um, so we knew that Daisy was there. And at one point we saw her and we kind of shouted, oh, uh, hi, Daisy, waved at her. And she's, we got a video. She looks right at us and waves back. And we said, like, that was it. You know, we were happy. We saw Daisy. We waved at her and she waved back like a couple of excited school kids. Uh, and then, uh, cut a long story short, we both went to the toilet about three minutes before the kind of presentation started to where where Matt James Mangold would come out and all the cast and say, you know, thanks for coming. It's been a great time here. Here's the film. Enjoy it. It was about two or three minutes before that, so we quickly ran to the toilet. I came out first. Daisy's walking towards us, and... Um, I was like, I'm not going to miss this opportunity. I don't often ask people for photos because I, other than like Harrison Ford, but I have to be kind of like in the zone to do it. But I was like, I can't not do it. So I did, took a lovely photo of her. I, my phone wouldn't take the photo because I was pressing the wrong button and I was panicking, but I got it. Um, and yeah, it was really round. And she was very, very nice, very courteous, very polite, very kind. There was no deverishness or, or huffing when I couldn't do the picture. Uh, and it was wonderful, really, really pleased. It was surreal to see, uh, to meet and be so close to uh, Daisy, and who's obviously a character I very much enjoy from Star Wars. So that was fantastic. Luke, my co-host, uh, took a crap next to Charles Dance. Um, oh. We met John Reese davis as well. Uh, he, he uh, Luke will tell you that story. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen was superb. Phoebe Waller-Bridge was, looked great. She was very cool. James Mangold is a dude as well really really cool to be so close to so many people and just in and the vibes joe jb were immaculate everyone was having a great time we met some really cool people there all dressed up as indie um really really good time really good and very memorable evening out 
tiring, but well worth it, JB. And that was the second time I'd seen yeah. Indy, and I knew I had one more in me. You know, it's not it's not the years, honey, it's the mileage, and I think I've got enough out of, out of this film now. But you know, really, really, really honoured to have gone to that, and it was a it's a very, very memorable experience in many ways, John. Well, I had some really good chicken hibachi God damn, when I saw Indiana mean? Jones. So, you know, was, you got to meet some celebrities. I had good food for a, a decent price. Um, I'm, I'm my, with you on that. You may win. Maybe. I don't think so. I think you won. <laughs> uh, my uh, bloody awesome, though, for the week um, is collaborating and listening. Um, okay. And yes, that is a vanilla ice reference. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I've been um, asked to work with... Uh, a for my former principal um doing a project for uh we have this local um botanical garden essentially a botanical garden might not be the right phrase but it's a historic gardens uh called bach tower anyone in this area has heard of it um mm-hmm. it's it's pretty legendary in the state and i grew up going there um all the time uh it's not a theme park but it is like a nature park like you can walk through it and um there's tons of uh natural wildlife and and stuff like that it's it's gorgeous and there's at the center of it is this gigantic tower hence the name um that uh has bells it's a, there's a specific type of bells i'm gonna forget what they're called I, I, I feel dumb right now but um so they were they're building a field trip uh essentially for um local elementary school kids and i myself and a few other colleagues uh have been asked to help build the curriculum and so um it's been really cool. Uh, one, getting to like be in behind the scenes sections of a place I've been going to my whole life. But like I've walked through like back roads and things that I didn't know because it's not open to the public. It's only for employees. Um, even just pulling up to like the, there you have like a, it's not a ticket booth, but there's like a drive-in thing and you have to either pay for your ticket or whatever. And I would just pull up and be like, uh, here's my name. I'm on a <laughs> list. And they're like, oh, yeah, you sure are. Go on in. And I'm like, that's right. Just like, eh, it's so cool. Um, like, but, uh, it's just a small group of people and they have four uh, staff that work at the tower as educators. And then there's myself, my, my former principal and two other uh, teachers predominantly. And so it's been like mostly four of us, but up to eight of us in a room, just really hashing out what, what we can do and how to approach it. Um, And it's been a a creative outlet that I've really enjoyed, but also just, um, you know, as, as a teacher, we plan all the time, but most of the time it's a solo activity and you're doing it like in between or at home. You're, you're not really giving like several hours of dedicated thought and deliberative practice in a space uh, that's shared and collaborative. And that's what this is. And it's really made me wish that um, educators were given the time to truly plan uh, content because especially with other people, um, it's it's so freeing and because it's not it's not for a classroom it's for a field trip experience we have standards that we're using from the state but at the same time we're not looking for like we're not building a test you know we're building an experience that the kids are going to come in and do these things and they're going to learn but they're going to have a great time while learning and that's really what education should be and most likely listener, when you think about things that you love, that you're passionate about, you've probably done some research, you've probably done some reading, but on your own, you did it on your own time. Maybe someone introduced it to you, but when you really are passionate or clicking with something, you, you do the work and Mm -hmm. that's how we're building this curriculum. And it's been great. It's been a really fun experience. And, um, it just, you know, 
it reinforces a, a thing I love, which is uh, teaching and talking about stuff that's cool. Um, yeah, long may it continue as well, because we all know that teaching is a hard profession and many people who have the power like to make it as hard as possible. So I'm glad to hear you're getting some kind of creative uh, positivity coming from it. Yep, it's been great. Um, but bloody that, awesome, say. it's been bloody awesome. Uh, that is our episode for the week. We will be back, uh, with our next episode, either covering insidious, the red door, or if we're lucky joyride, which is what we would like to cover, but we're going to see what happens. Uh, insidious is getting a worldwide release the same day on July 7th and joyride is getting released in the States on July 7th, but everywhere else is getting something different. So really that's our, our reservation is we don't know for sure uh how available joyride's going to be even here i don't know how wide a release it's going to get so um depending on if it's something i can easily see but it's probably going to be the red door we'll we'll find oh, out well. though folks um got fingers that's crossed. It. thank you yeah, wmd is sorting me out over here so hopefully joyride if not hopefully a brilliant horror film in the red door yeah, yeah, I hope. And Patrick Wilson directorial debut, if nothing else, right? That's something true to, true. to throw out there. But uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod on in, in on Instagram. Sorry, uh, what about Twitter, Matt? At Bamp underscore podcast, B A M P underscore podcast. It's like chai chai tea. Uh, um, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast on Facebook. Uh, if you like what we do individually, you can follow us at BurkeReviews.com or at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. And Matt, where can they follow you? WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk and just search what I watched across what I watched tonight across all of the socials, including Letterboxd. I was just thinking about chai tea then, my friend. So apologies. Yep, yep. Which is just saying TT. That was the joke I was making. Um, uh, rate and review the BAMP uh, podcast, folks. Whatever podcast catcher you are using, Take a moment, please, and just give us a rating, preferably five-star. But you know what? I'm, we're critics. We're all for honesty. So if, if we're like a three-star podcast, fine. But if you find it in your heart to give us the five-star, that's all the better. It just helps other people find us, and we appreciate the support. With that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. Blah, 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 blah.